1: Good morning, everybody.
2: Today is a fantastic show. Hope everyone's doing well and you had a, an amazing Thanksgiving. Um, I'm really, really excited about today. I uh, cannot wait to see some of you on because I have not one, but two amazing guests that I just, well, one of them you know from last week we were supposed to interview, but uh, we had some technical difficulties as it's happened on this show and you just have to go with it, but today I know for a fact she's going to be on the show because I can see her already and (laughs) she's not frozen. Um, I'm really excited again. I've got two amazing guests. I cannot wait. I'd love to see your questions, your comments, and of course, Please share, because both of the guests have an amazing story. Um, but the first guest I want to introduce you to is a – I'm blessed to just call her a friend. Um, she's somebody that inspires me. I've had the, pro, the, the blessing of speaking um, at the same event as her, and she just is incredible. She is a delight. Um, so Melissa is an award-winning artist, author, international keynote speaker, and host of the TV show The Ripple Effect, um, she's also a founder of the Water Safety for Kids. She has a newly released book, Lessons from the Neverland, which is a memoir that recounts her harrowing past and journey through tragedy that ultimately led her towards discovering her soul's purpose. Today, she is a business development coach who also mentors others through the beer the beer process. Oh my gosh, you're gonna have to correct me. Oh my God. The vocabulary is slipped my mind today. I have, I have turkey brain right now because I ate about 95 pounds of turkey, so please forgive me. Uh, good morning, Q. Good to see you. Mr. Gordon, good to see you, my friend. Good to see you. So with that said, ladies and gentlemen, I am so excited to bring on... Good morning, Kenneth. Good to see you, my friend. Um, I'm so excited to bring you guys, uh, and please welcome Melissa Hull to the show. And she's coming on now. Good morning, Mary. Good to see you. Hi. Hi. This is reality now. It's happening.
1: Success.
2: My tooth, my tooth may fly out during the interview. I'm just letting you know. (laughs) I my I have veneers, which are great and and all, but because anyway, this tooth may fly out in the middle of our conversation. Don't let it freak you out.
1: No, no worries. No worries. Um, I, you know, my, my, uh, my former spouse is a dentist, so it won't be anything that I haven't seen before.
2: Okay. <laughs> well, I need a dentist to be open in San Diego, because I'm telling <laughs> you, he's giving me well, I, I
1: don't, <laughs> I don't I, I have to think about right that. Now. I do know a few. So maybe after the show, I'll give you a couple of recommendations of where to go. I,
2: I appreciate <laughs> you. You look gorgeous, as always. How are you today?
1: Thank you. Well, happy Thanksgiving. I guess it's, you know, a day after, but still, happy Thanksgiving. Uh,
2: you know, people are still on the mode, and I think some people are Black Friday shopping, which yeah. seems insane to me because you can just buy everything online now, but whatever. You go I mean, mess with that stuff. I
1: it's, it's weird. Some people really like to go out and experience, like, that rush of beating someone else to, like, to the item. It's, like, snatch it away from them. It's like, it's mine. I no, I'm, I'm an online shopper <laughs> for sure.
2: The worst thing I ever discovered was Amazon Fresh and the fact that they deliver it to your house and it's not more expensive. Like, that, is, that was my, I'm siding with technology now after experiencing yeah. that. Yeah. Anyway, listen, I, first things first, uh, we do this, this is the very first question we ask every, every show. Mm-hmm. What are you grateful for today, Melissa?
1: Oh, gosh. Uh, I am grateful uh, for my family. For my, my, my two, um, well, I have many children. Um, I have two beautiful stepsons, Jordan and Mark. Um, I have three children, Devin, Hope, and Drew. Uh, Drew is my son that passed away when he was four to an accidental drowning, but um, there isn't a single day that goes by that I don't have gratitude for what they have just blessed my life with. They are my greatest teachers, my greatest inspirations, and my motivation for why I'm doing what I'm doing.
2: Well, so you bring up what you were doing. You were doing a lot. I mean, I stopped at your bio because honestly, I could have just gone on for another two minutes. And I mean, I know you as a speaker and of course getting to know you as a friend, but you have the TV show that is amazing. Um, your book, which is terrific. You, on the speaking circuit, you just knock people dead. I mean, you've spoke with some of the biggest speakers in the world. Like, what are, what are the, what, which of those things, like, moves you the most that you, what, which of those things gets get you the most excited?
1: You know, that's a great question. Um, for me, there is nothing like being in a room full of people and being able to share my story because of the synergy, that energy that's, that's shared, you can feel um, when people are engaged and when your story is making an impact. I think that for me is the most gratifying. Um, obviously, my television show is, is also very gratifying. But if I had to pick one over the other, I would pick speaking publicly. Yeah, I love it. I know for a lot of people that's their greatest fear in life. But for me, I never really think of it as me in front of a lot of people. I always think of myself as sharing a very significant part of my life that I believe will help them see the value and find appreciation for their life as it is today without making any changes. Life is never going to be perfect, but how we look at life and what we choose to see and what we choose to amplify about our lives is is always a choice. And that is something that I love to talk to people about: the power of choice, choosing to see what what might be difficult, but is always there. It's present; we just have to look for it.
2: You you brought up, and I know your story about um, your, your, your child drowning, and mm-hmm. I like to this day, like I remember when I first heard it, and I I can't even fathom, mm-hmm. but because that story has been told, what's another? point and I and if you want to share we can go back to it but what is another point in your life when like all hope seemed lost and like what did you do to get yourself through it
1: um it didn't come very um, long after the loss of my son um I had marriage problems before the accident and after the accident it just magnified those those issues and it was about 30 days after the burial of my, my little boy that my husband chose to to separate from me and to live elsewhere. Um, same town, but just in a different home. And I, I, I can clearly remember the hardest day after that was when he came to pick up our, our three-year-old little boy, Devin, at the time, to spend the night with him. And I was in the house alone for the first time. And the accident had happened just right outside of our home um so it was the most painful most i would say bleak moment of my life I, in many ways i almost think that that was a harder day and a harder night than than burying my son because i at that point felt like i had lost everything it was it was horrific to lose my child but then to lose my family 30 days later just seemed it seemed just cruel I I struggled. I really struggled with God for quite a while, but I remember reading a letter um, from a woman whose name is Teresa, and I've never met her. I remember her first name. I'm sure at some point I knew her last name. I just can't remember it anymore, but she was a mom that had also lost a child, and she, she said in this letter that I could be happier than I had ever dreamed or dreamt of that I could have joy in abundance and that life could be whatever I wanted it to be. That I did not have to like take on this bereavement and think that that was now my new, my new identity. I was not just a woman who lost a child. I was still Melissa and Melissa had value and Melissa had potential, but I was going to have to choose that. And it and it took a long time to really get good at seeing my value because it hurt for a long time. I blamed myself for a long time, um, but slowly, those th- that that message really permeated my mind, and then it, it dictated my habits. Like I started to give myself only 15 minutes in the morning to be sad about Drew, and then the rest of the day I had to. Like I had to go out and find things to make me smile. And sometimes it was a challenge, but I would find ways to make me smile. And usually that came with spending time with my, my son, Devin or hanging out with my friends or even just hanging out with my dogs. And, and, you know, I'm a huge dog lover. Uh, my dogs were kind of my saving grace there for a while. And I, I think any dog, you know, enthusiast understands they're just this, the source of unconditional love. And when we are really feeling, empty. They just pour into us. And, and so I would find things like that. And, and that was enough. Like that was it. That's what it took to feel happy. And I was grateful for that. And then, you know, there's one other thing that I think is important is I started to shift the way I looked at the loss. I started to look at the pain of what had happened and see it as a blessing because it was the mirror reflection of how much I loved him how much our, our bond, like how special that bond was between us. And then I actually felt good about feeling sorrow because it was like validation of this amazing person, this little boy that was, I was so fortunate to have as my child, my little, my little <laughs> Um So it, it, everything shifted because I I made conscious choices to look beyond what, was just in front of me and look deeper and and make choices to really pull out those gems that I was overlooking. They were there. I just was overlooking them. I let my emotions dictate my thinking. And when you can master your emotions, when you can master how you look at your emotions, I really believe that's, that's the definition of, of, Freedom in in many ways because we're not a slave to how we feel in a moment. We're able to process and think and 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 realize that there are many aspects to any one experience and and so that's what I would take. I would hope that people could take that away. That that's that's very important. The power of choice can change your life. It it absolutely changed and saved mine.
2: So, but that doesn't keep. It's it's easy to say choice,
0: mm-hmm.
2: but if there's a discipline oh, helping you make the right choices. Mm-hmm. So that usually for some people is a routine or a morning routine or a way of awakening, mm-hmm. getting their mind right. What is your morning routine like? Or is it? I don't even know. Is it morning, or do you do something at night? What do you do? What do you do to help?
1: I, you know, I I wake up every morning, and the first thing I, I do is is I I try to take that that first one minute and just be aware, just be very aware of my, my being, you know, I, I, really, I really feel like I have a minute with, with God. And I just ask for, I ask for the guidance to know how to be the right kind of um, messenger. I, I do believe that I I'm here to share my story and to allow people to see through my life experience the possibilities that remain in theirs. And so I'm always asking, you know, help me to be the right messenger today. Help me to be um, aware so that I can be the right messenger. Help me to open my heart and to love more deeply myself. Because if I don't love myself, I really have nothing else to give. Um, So I I do, I start with self, like self-love and gratitude to God. And then I, I ask for the guidance to know how to be the most effective messenger that day, every day.
2: That's beautiful because I, I mean, I have been in the same room with you and I've seen how, well, in two different occasions, one at Cervex, which we have another one coming up in San Diego, which I'm so excited about in December. Um, But then also we went to an event, a media conference. And even then watching this radiation of love just flow out of you that it's infectious because everybody around you is just they feel it. And that is such a magical thing to come from. I mean, losing a child and then going through divorce and just those complications to now, like you're, I mean, again, this, I've, I've heard you speak and I, it moves a room, but then to put the energy into writing a book Um, and then your, your charity work too, which I want to talk about that. And then the TV show, what, like, how did you get from that place of just broken Mm. to international speaker, TV (laughs) author, like, how did you get there?
1: You know, sometimes I, I wonder too, you know, (laughs) I think it started with that, that question, you know, or that, that that desire to be a messenger, to be the right kind of messenger. I figured out pretty early on that the the way for me, the way out of pain for me came through serving others, whether it be talking to another mother or father or sibling that had lost, you know, a family member, a child, a brother, a sister, uh, even grandparents um, who had lost a grandchild. It, it began there, but I quickly realized that, I wanted to broaden that. So the book for me was my way of really owning my life because I wish I could say that life had been easy, um, but life has always been a bit challenging. And after Drew's uh, passing and after the separation, I really felt kind of cursed. Like I felt like, what is it about me that continues to attract this this like chaotic, painful, crazy because it it, like I could, if I told people would think I was making it up, but it was all true. All of these things were happening to me around me, um, sometimes directly to me and, and it just seemed unimaginable. So I, I, I just had to take stock of what it was, what was going on. And the book for me was how I did it. The book was like looking at every aspect of my life up until the day I published and really seeing the value. I went back and I looked at everything because I felt like there were so many lessons that I had missed along the way. So I went back to childhood. I went back to the troubled relationship I had with my dad and the the sense of abandonment I felt when my mother was sick and had to leave our home for medical care when I was just 10 years old. And in the things that really were limiting me as an adult oftentimes I would notice that they were really coming from places in childhood and I was still reliving that pain and just adding to it. My, you know, I sort of think of it as like a bag. If I'm carrying a bag and I put a rock in it, well, that rock was from this experience. And then another rock came from another experience. I was carrying so much weight that I was almost immobile. I was so stuck. And I thought, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm done. So I started taking these rocks and I just started setting them down and saying, no more. There's no, more, there's no more room in my life for this. I can't hurt over it anymore. So what can I do to find something positive? Where is the lesson? Where's the beauty here? Well, the beauty came because, you know, with my, my dad is I learned that I wanted to be a different type of parent. I wanted to be the kind of parent that expressed love that was, you know, maybe too much. I think my kids hear that I love them about a thousand times a day. <laughs> But I never wanted to miss that opportunity, and I'm present. I show up for my kids, not perfectly. I'm human. I don't always get it right. But darn it, I really have the intention to always be there for them and to let them know that they are loved and they are supported. And I remind them of how amazing they are and what potential they have. And in that, for me, was what I took away from. My my experience in childhood is so I wanted to be different. I didn't want them to to feel a lack. I wanted them to just have this abundance of knowledge, this assurance that they were supported and loved. And I did that, and and I'm proud to say that I did that. I have wonderful kids, and like I said, they they are my they're my motivation, they're my inspiration, my greatest teachers. Um, but you know what today. I, I have a different appreciation for my dad. I love my father. My dad was imperfect, as every parent is. But I'm far more understanding and forgiving of that humanness than I ever have been. And the book was hard to write because it was raw. It was real. And we we talked about it. We talked about the book and before and after it was published. And it's, it's done... Nothing but bring us closer together. We've had to address some tough stuff, but we've gotten there. And with my mom, um, I have found an immense gratitude for the resiliency of a woman who has beaten the odds of facing cancer from the time that she was 41 years old. She was supposed to have died uh, 25 years ago. She had brain cancer, uh, front left lobe. And they gave her a year to live. And my mother is still alive to this day, although her, her life isn't really full and rich. um, She lives in a nursing home and she's for the most part, uh, she has full blown dementia. But my mom is, she has a strength that I draw upon. Her example inspires me. I wish I had more of her. Like, I wish I had more of that mother daughter relationship, but my mom, is, my mom is truly, she's a remarkable woman who has been through so much and suffers with pain all the time, but she is the strongest person I know, hands down. And so those abandonment issues have shifted and I just see a woman who was fighting like hell to save her life. And as a 10 year old little girl, I really didn't fully understand it. I, I feared that she would die, but I didn't understand the fight. I didn't understand the endurance and the hardship and the, the physical pain, the emotional pain. Um, watching her lose her hair several times throughout my life and watching her body change with every surgery, watching her struggle to see her beauty to, to know that she was, she still is a gorgeous woman. Um, I watched all that and it, it's given me an appreciation for her and for myself and for every woman that I meet, every person that I meet. Um, so the book for me was about going back and looking at all of that and taking the pain away, instead of carrying stones, I carry feathers and I'm light, and I'm free. And I see these feathers that I carry around as these beautiful reminders of lessons that I never, ever want to forget.
0: God.
2: i got to take a breath for a second. That's heavy, but amazing. <laughs> I, just yesterday, I was talking to somebody about, I had some issues with my father, and for a long time, it was anger and this inability to forgive, but I couldn't forgive until I started to have compassion and, 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 and just this understanding. But then I heard something that I've never heard before. Someone asked me, do you see the blessing in what happened to you? Yeah. And I'm like, you know, finally, I think I do. Like, I really do, and I've been thinking about it for two days. Like, all the things that I, that I hated, I can look at now and go, there was such a blessing in that. And it's hard to, con- to consider that it is a rational thought, but it is so profound and powerful to look at that hurt as a blessing. Because, I mean, look at it. Like, I'm living slowly, living my dreams. And then you are, I don't even know if you dreamed about doing this stuff as a kid, did you? I mean, again, TV show internationally. <laughs> uh-huh. book, like, did you envision this as a child? Like, what the heck?
1: You know, it's funny. As a, as a little girl, I always saw myself in front of large groups of people. And then I slowly talked myself out of that. But I think I've always known where I was going. I just didn't understand it at the time. Um, writing the book was where I began. I began with my truth, looking at my story, changing how I I looked at all of those experiences And really wanting to give that wisdom to the world. Um, If I could make a a difference in one person's life, that was enough for me. I wanted to honor Teresa for that letter that she wrote to me that day, how it saved my life, because I seriously was going to end my life that night. I, I I just didn't think I could bear this pain. And some random woman, whom I, again, have never met, my whole life is geared towards thanking her and showing the world that it is one act of kindness. You are one act of kindness away from impacting the life of another person. You may never know how significantly you are changing somebody's day and how much they needed that that smile or that five bucks or whatever it is that you can do to help someone out or just to to find a way to just be grateful and, and show gratitude for people around you. That's what I wanted to do. And then uh, the book turns into public speaking. And that was pretty intimidating at first, but I found that it's just a conversation. And I loved that synergy. I loved seeing um, how, how my story was, was impacting people in a positive way. Right. Um, it's a heavy story. I, I get it. But I think there's so much beauty in this experience that I am, I never get tired of telling people what I've been through. I'm not, I'm and I'm not desensitized to the, I want to say like the magnitude. It was a lot. It was a lot. And it's okay. Um, I went from feeling cursed to complimented because I used to think, well, God doesn't, you know, they always say God can't give you what you can't handle. I used to think, Well, God just doesn't know me very well because I feel like I've been done for a while, but now I see it as a compliment because he knew that I always could, that I would get through it, that I could get through it and that what would come through these experiences would be the fulfillment of what I truly believe is my soul's purpose I am here as a messenger. My life experiences give me the unique ability to be able to talk to so many different people. I know pain. I know suffering and I can see it and spot it in a person, but I also know how to speak love and I know, and I know how to pour hope into a person because I used to be the recipient and I know what worked for me and I just trust, I trust that today I will be that messenger that I've asked to be that conduit of God here on earth to to imp- to do anything and everything I can to just be a living expression of love and hope and in happiness, because that's really what I, I am. I'm happy. I'm joyous and I'm free. And, you know, and I love what I do. The public speaking, you know, is is really my first love. But television, television kind of came by like... Uh, the most random way. I never really saw myself in front of a camera, you know, in front of doing a television show. And but it was suggested to me. And I thought, you know what I like I, if I can make if I can reach more people and really improve lives by by sharing other people's stories, because it's not all about me. It's about the we the collective story. You know, your life experience is meant to reach a certain audience. And if I can give you that platform and we can reach those people, you know, 70 million people in a month is quite, quite a lot of people. (laughs) It's, it's, it blows my mind because I I just, I had no idea if it was going to work. If it wasn't, going, I didn't know if people would like me, you know, honestly, I look back at some of those earlier shows and I'm so awkward because I'm, you know, I, I'm, I think I'm sitting there acting like what I think somebody on TV should look like. And now I just, I've, I've gotten so used to the fact that, you know, I have to be me. I, I'm not going to fit into any type of, you know, stereotypical box. I'm going to just do me and I'm going to let people get to know me. And I think that's why people connect to the show because I'm not trying to pretend. If I'm, I'm really honest about the things, the challenges, um, the joys, uh, that i've been going through and i think that comes through on camera and i pick amazing guests like there are so many people that have have been through a thing or two that the world needs to know about i i draw inspiration from other people all the time and so for me the ripple effect is just another way to have a cool conversation and show the world many different examples of how they too can choose to make a positive difference in the world simply by showing up and being intentional about you know kindness and it begins there start with intention the intention of kindness is powerful it is so powerful and in this day and in this age i think the world needs more kindness i think we need more um unifiers in the world people to bridge those divides people to reach out and say hey we can respectfully disagree and still be friends and still find gratitude for each other. And if I can be that example, then I'm, I'm all in. And that's what The Ripple Effect has turned into. And I'm so proud of, of what we're doing. And 2018 is going to be a really cool year. Um, I have amazing guests like yourself. You're going to be on The Ripple Effect And we're going to start doing some community outreaches uh, as a part, as an extension of the ripple effect. So the guests that are going to appear on the show, we are going to do something, whether it be going to, um, you know, picking a charity and I want to do hands-on. I want to show up. I want people to put their hands in other people's, you know, like physically be there, be present, help out, you know, interact. I want to show people that, there's there's so much value to being present and in serving rather than just you know donate now you know drop 10 bucks in you know a micro donation campaign i want people to to feel that 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 feeling of immense satisfaction and and just let it permeate there's something that really something really good that exists in your heart when you are serving and helping someone else it gets you out of your own pain. It, it shows you um, that we are all connected. We all are going through something. And and it just it changes things. And so I want people to experience that through the ripple effect. And so the guests that I'm picking are, are people that believe in that as well. And we are going to do some amazing, amazing things.
2: That's wonderful. So The last thing... Um... I want to. I want you to real quick discuss the Uh the the charity that you are really passionate about. Um, It is the. um, I almost said the Salvation Army. It's not. It's (laughs) Drowning Division,
1: correct? Drowning Um, Prevention. I I I live in. I live primarily in Arizona, and the accident happened in Arizona. And statistically, in our state, drowning is. Uh, the number one cause of death for children under the age of five, especially with little boys. They have the highest uh, demographic of of fatalities um, over any other, uh, over little girls. Um, And and so I wanted to educate the public on water safety. And so the Arizona Water, uh, Drowning Prevention and Water Safety Foundation is the foundation that I'm very supportive of. Um, But I believe that you can make a difference in your state. You should donate to the drowning prevention programs. Um, educate yourself on drowning prevention because you never know when you're going to be the one that's called upon or in the vicinity of a, a person, a, a child, or, you know, an adult that is going to need some help at some point when it comes to water. And it it's, it's so important. It's just, it's my, one of my passions is to really educate children. So I go into... I, I've gone into preschools, I've gone into schools, high schools, and, and talked to kids about um, the very real and present dangers of water. Um, it should be fun, but in order to have fun, we need to have we need to be safe, and and especially the little ones, those little preschoolers. They're so cute. Um, they they really they they tend to get it when we talk about it. When I show them a picture of Drew, and Drew looks like them. And then I explained to them what happened to drew because he wasn't safe around the water they're, they're, they're getting it. And that's so important. Um, it's been, it's been several years since Drew passed away. Um, and I see kids that I, that I spoke to over a decade ago in, in preschool and they'll, they'll come up to me and they'll say, Oh, they've forgotten my name, but they're all you're Drew's mom. I remember you're Drew's mom. To this day, they remember his story. They remember me. And, and that's, it's, it's, that's like the best feeling, knowing that they were safe around the water. And sometimes they'll even tell me about something that they did to help save another person that they felt came from that, that conversation that we had all those years ago. So water safety, drowning prevention um, is in your local state, you know, your local you know, community, your state. Um, absolutely. I think that that's a very worthy foundation to support.
2: Amen. I got something for you. <laughs> actually. Hold on. Sure. I really appreciate you um, being a guest on the show. So I I have a gift for you. Oh, um, you do. I, I showed you the AlexisVogel.com oh. website. Well, I have the um, Pamela kit for you. Oh wow! And um, wow! So it is all kinds of good That's stuff. The packaging so is cool. insane. So, this is my gift to you because okay. I adore you. And um, thank you. It's, it's love it. Alexis Vogel is basically the celebrity makeup artist to celebrities. So, I think you're going to absolutely love this stuff. Um, Melissa, thank you so much for coming on the show. I, okay. I, I love you to death. You are incredible. <laughs> I, I cannot wait to see you again. I know. Uh, it means the okay. world to me that you took the time to be on the show right before you're getting ready to go to Tokyo. So, yeah,
1: I leave for Tokyo on um, uh, I guess it's Wednesday. So yeah, just a few days. Ah.
2: Well, I will talk to you after the show. Um, but God bless you. Thank you so oh, much.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on this show. It's been it's been a real uh, real treat. Thank you for giving me another opportunity to look at life and find gratitude.
2: I'm, you're amazing. Thank you so
1: much. <laughs> you have a fabulous day.
2: You too. Okay. Bye bye.
1: Thank you so much.
2: Bye, everyone. Holy crap, she was great. I told you she was good. Anyway, so, guys, I am super stoked about this. I've got another amazing guest. This guy is the owner of the San Diego Kings ABA basketball team. Ladies and gentlemen, the man... Abraham, and he's going to have to say his last name for me, but I can't say it. <laughs> Abraham, my man, what's up? Uh-oh, we can't hear you. Wait, talk. Are you there? No, no. No, no sound. Oh, no. No sound. Uh-oh. Can we hear him? Oh, no. Oh, no. Are you there? Yeah, there's no no talking. He's going to his phone. Okay. I'll tell you what. We're going to redo the show. I'm going to start over and reset. I'm going to go to my phone and do this interview. You guys will be right back.